I'm going to be talking about the book of Daniel, not Brother Daniel, but, <laughs> but the book of Daniel. I really um, enjoy the book of Daniel. I think I've talked about him before, but I just, I just really enjoy who he is. But first, I'm going to talk about something. So, you know, we definitely have some struggles right now in that we're kind of stuck in our homes and we're faced with all the things that are in our home. We're facing a spiritual battle in that it's the battle of our focus. Right. It's the battle of all the distractions around us and just temptations to not do anything or, you know, all these things. I, I personally uh, love to go, because I'm a, I'm a student. I have summer classes even now and I like to go to the library or a coffee shop just so I can remove myself from home distractions. And I know that that's a, a first world privilege to go somewhere else to go study. I know that. But right now, you know, I have to stay home and those distractions are right there in my face. I have to say no to distractions. I have to sometimes turn my phone off. I have to, doesn't mean I always do it, but I really strive to turn off as many distractions that we have. And I think that it's just so much, it, it's a different type of distraction right now because you have time now and you, you're trying to use it. I mean, necessarily you just have time. So we wanna be careful with that extra time. And we don't want to have our, our relationship with God to be, we don't want to be so distracted that we don't have a relationship with God. Now, I'm going to read from Daniel. Uh, Daniel 1, I'm going to read um, 5, 5 to 7. It said, And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and the wine while he, which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these children of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and unto whom the prince of the Enoch's gave names, which changed their names from Daniel to Belshazzar, Hananiah to Shadrach, Mishael to Meshach, and Azariah to Abednego. And I feel like whenever I've heard the story of Daniel and his friends, you always hear Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not Belshazzar. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Belshazzar and all their changed names. Well, I'm going to refer to Daniel as Daniel and his friends as his friends, just to be simpler. But I have an apostolic study Bible. It's this big, heavy thing. And... Uh, I was looking at the introduction for Daniel, and I found some interesting things. So it says in the grand scheme of the book, they say, the revelations given to Daniel serve not only to disclose the unfolding of God's end time plan for all nations, but also as an encouragement, as an encouragement to his people during their exile. You know, right now, I kind of feel like I've been exiled to my home. <laughs> Daniel, Daniel, he was exiled from 
their home, but we are stuck in ours. And the name Daniel, I found out, means God is my judge. God is my judge. And they also mentioned that the, the character of Daniel, the person Daniel was, he serves an example of how a godly person can live in an ungodly world without getting contaminated by a sinful environment. Right, come on. Man, I'm just rereading contaminated, you know, don't, don't like that <laughs> right now. It's not a great word. But, I mean, this world is, there's a lot of worldly things that are trying to distract us that if we give so much focus to it, we're kind of allowing ourselves to be contaminated by it if we let ourselves continually have it. All right. But I think that I really like Daniel because he is that really good example for us. And like I said, we have a lot of time on our hands and maybe we want to fix our perception in this time. To get, we've been doing a hyphen devotional series called Get Your Mind Right. Get your mind right. Put it on the right things. Let it not be on the wrong things. So let's look. I'm going to go to Daniel 1.8. I really love this part. It says, but Daniel purposed. Can we all say purposed? Purposed. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the Enochs that he might not defile himself. So, I, I, there's a definition of defilement here, which was helpful for me, because sometimes there's big words and I don't know what they mean, and I needed to know. <laughs> and so, in the Apostolic Study Bible, it says, defilement referred to the fact that the meats and the wines served to the kings, to the king's table, would have also been offered to um, idols or otherwise not prepared according to the Levitical dietary laws. So he would not defile himself with the food that would have been prepared for idols. He's like, or, or the dietary laws. So Daniel said, you know, according to the law of God, it says, what's the first commandment? With all thy heart, right? And then um, we have the commandment, thou shall have no other gods before me, right? We're, we don't want to serve or give anything to any gods. And the food that he was given was created to be given to idols. And... He did not think that was what they should do. So Daniel purposed in his heart. He decided, I am not going to have that defilement. And he even told the person who was in charge of him, and Enoch, he said, I think that maybe can I be given something else that is perhaps healthier? <laughs> there was, you know, we, we can't, I mean, you could, you could live off... Um, there's some foods if you ate all the time, you probably wouldn't be as healthy, right? I think we all, we all know that. 
Did you know, I mean, we probably have all maybe heard of, in 2004, Morgan Spurtlock, he decided for 30 days, so a month, that he would eat McDonald's food three times a day for 30 days. Just McDonald's. <laughs> Just McDonald's. And after 30 days, do you think he was healthier? Why would you think that? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it affected his appearance. It, it, uh, it made him gain 25 pounds. He experienced mood swings, depression, lethargy. Uh, thank you. I was like, I realized I didn't say that as soon as it came out. <laughs> he also had heart palpitations. He had headaches, loss of energy. So what we consume in our mouth does matter. And, you know, not just physical foods that we consume, but things that we consume on the eyes, things that we consume in the ears. What we are seeing, what we are hearing, they affect our countenance. They affect our spirit. And Daniel purposed in his heart that he would make sure that what he was consuming mattered. And he, he made sure that he asked for them to be able to have better food. And he had to go to a second person for, because the first person he told said, in verse 10, it says, I fear my Lord, the King, who hath appointed all this food and drink. He goes, if I don't give you what you're supposed to have, I'm gonna be in trouble. I'm afraid to do something that's my king gave me. I'm afraid to do that. So Daniel had to go to somebody else. And verse 11, he goes to Melzar. And he goes, okay, well, after 10 days, if you look better with, with, the, with other food and water to drink, then we'll see, we'll see. And that's just what happened. He was, they were all, they were 10 times better in appearance, in how they were, just, it matters what you consume. And I think that just what we, what we visually consume is going to affect our spiritual life, our spiritual health. So we do want to be careful what we put into our lives. As 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Yeah. Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy we want to keep ourselves holy, acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. And we, I mean, we have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We want to be a light. And what, I know that there's some things that I've let into my eyes, I've let into my ears, that has not helped my spiritual life. That in fact made me not as cheerful. It distracted me from all these things and I just, we do want to be so purposeful to let our light be the brightest if we make sure we know what we're giving into us. So we, there is a reason we want to stay holy and pure. And we also know that Jesus is coming soon. 
And if we aren't ready, it'll be too late. We have to live as he'll come, as if he'll come today. Amen. The bridegroom is waiting. So, yeah. well, I want to go to to continue on in this story. We see that in Daniel, as soon as they they proved that they were better appearance, we see that they're like, okay, we're going to give that to everybody. Everybody's going to be better. And um, it says in verse 17 that Daniel had, they had knowledge, they had skill and understanding, and they were just blessed. They were just blessed with goodness by following that, not letting themselves be defiled. Verse 20, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better. That's where it is, the 10 times better. They were smarter than all the magicians and the astrologers that were in all his realm. That's where it's 10 times better. There we go. So God blessed them in wisdom and understanding. When we choose God in small things, he's going to bless us. And as we... We, I mean, we, as I said before, he had to go up to his authority and he had to risk himself being in trouble, risk themselves. And I really liked what Sister Beth said when we were at the graduation and that those small things matter in our life. When we make those small choices, God's gonna help us in the next choice. We just say, God help me in this one choice and he's gonna lead you into more. And in chapter two, in Daniel's story, the king had a dream which had no answer. And he asked all of the astrologers and all the smart people, he goes, what was my dream and what's the explanation? Well, all the smart people all gathered together and they had no idea. And the king's like, I'm going to kill you guys if you don't tell me. And that was an incentive, but they just didn't have an answer. So... They, the only person that stood up was Daniel. He's like, hey, I have a God who is an answerer to mysteries. And so he prayed and God gave him an answer in which he went to the king and he said, and the, the, I like that he definitely gives God the credit. He doesn't say it was because of me. He could have. There could have been a temptation in which he could have taken the credit. God already gave him. He would have been looked good in his eyes, but he gave God the credit. He goes, nobody else but God could answer this for you. And God blessed him even more. Daniel's life just kept getting more further and further up and even closer to the king. The king really liked him because he knew answers and he could do those things. But the crazy thing is, right after the dream, just one verse later, you see that the king, after, the, after they were just answered a, a question that nobody could answer, the, like, the next chapter, verse 3, he's like, he makes an idol. He makes an idol. I don't have an idol with me, but I have something shiny. <laughs> this is an award. <laughs> because I was smart in elementary school. So here it is. <laughs> it says I'm a math master, obviously. Still there. <laughs> I, I think this was why. 
<laughs> it gave me a award. But this is something shiny and gold, like an idol. That's all I have for that. <laughs> but, you know, if we know anything about the story of Daniel and these idols that he was faced, the idol that the king created, the king made up this huge idol. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was the king. And he said, when there is a song playing, when there's certain music, you guys all need to bow down to it. And something in Daniel said, I cannot do that. Again, he purposed in his heart, right? He doesn't say that, but I still think that it was, that's what it is. He had it in his heart to go, no, I cannot bow down to others, other gods. I cannot serve other gods that are not mine. And so he had to trust in God because this king who just, his punishment is death. He just liked, he goes, if you don't do it, you're going to die. And he says, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace if you do not do this. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all were like, we just know who God is. We know that God has always been there, that he is the one that we trust in. That, as it says in um, Psalms 27, some trust in chariots and in horses. But we remember and trust in the name of the Lord. We trust in God. We just can't bow down to something that is not God. And you, you know, you notice that Daniel was pretty firm in his faith. So you may wonder why did he have all these extreme trials, you know, where he could have died. But I, I just want to say that just because you face a test, a temptation, or a trial, it's not a punishment. It is just a test of your faith to be increased. In James 1, 1 through 5, actually 2 through 5, my brethren, count it joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. We don't like that word, but patience. And but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. And if you lack wisdom in how to get through that trial, it says, ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, for it shall be given unto him. So ask God for wisdom. All right. I see that I was, I found, I found my place on my paper. We're good. <laughs> but you know, when this idol was created and they said the music was playing, you need to bow down. And so everybody else would bow down. That was the normal. That was the status quo. That was everybody's doing it. Everybody's going to jump off the bridge. <laughs> I don't have friends like that. Neither should you. But we, we really, that was the normal. And, you know, again, they knew that that was wrong. We can't always go with what's normal. We can't always go with what's socially approved. Yes. You know, in the 19th century in the South, it was normal to have slaves. And we know that racism is a sin. And in mid 20th century, it was normal for the Germans 
to persecute and even kill Jews. But you know, that was just persecution against God's people and they were just killing them even though they didn't do anything to them. And I know that because idolatry is something that you think just like a little gold statue that people just dance around, maybe put a banana and like bless me, <laughs> a sacrifice. <laughs> like that's what I that's what idols are, right? You know, that's what like I kind of thought. But I did a little bit deeper reading and about the whole idea. And something so let's go into the definition of idolatry. It says um, the practice of worshiping statues as gods. So that makes sense. You're worshiping something that looks like a statue. Okay. But then there's a second definition as well that we're gonna I'm gonna mention in a second. But you know, idolatry was this idea referred to when in the ancient times people didn't necessarily have an understanding of science or just nature, how it worked. So they call it God of the gaps. God of the gaps. As in, for example, if it started raining, they'd go, oh, the gods are sad. Or, oh, there's lightning. The gods are angry. I get it. <laughs> but so that's what they would do. They would have a god of the miss of the understanding that would fill in their gap of understanding so that's what it used to be right but but let me ask you do you not think that there are idols today do you not like in a different way we have it in a different form it's idols have become 2.0 they've they've adapted to this time the second definition of idolatry is too much love or praise for somebody or something. So I'll say that again, too much love or praise for somebody, something. And what it's doing is an idol is something that you love more than God. The phrase idols of the heart comes from Ezekiel 14. In the third verse, God says that certain elders of Israel had set up idols not physically, but in their heart. Though they were maintaining the outward appearance of true worship in their heart, they were worshiping false gods. So too much love or praise for something, that is where we're trying to find fulfillment or some, like we're trying to fulfill a void in our life that where God should be where our trust should be. If we start depending only on money, but not on God, if we trying to depend on our just, we think that we have everything, but we never even trust in God for anything, or you love something more than him, you're choosing him and something else other than God. Martin Luther said, whatever your heart clings to, and confides in that is really your God. Because besides on Sundays, on our regular 
daily basis, the daily, whatever you run to for security and hope and purpose in life, functionally, that's really your God. John Calvin said, the human heart is an idle factory, an idle factory. So it's, it's cranking some out. <laughs> St. Augustine said something similar to that. He said, sin in idolatry isn't so much loving bad things and doing bad things. It's loving good things too much. It's loving good things and making them gods in your life. It's loving the blessings of life ahead of the blesser. It's loving created things ahead of our creator God. So how do we get in this point in our life where we rightly order things for God to be first? Well, all, good, all the good things of life, you have to remind yourself for that you have to sacrifice for. You have to work hard to get them. And even when you do get them, they often disappoint. But you know, there is one person that you sacrifice for, you will be fully satisfied. And that's in Jesus, when you sacrifice for him, because he will not disappoint you. Amen. He will actually satisfy you. If I were to compare it to things of this world that try to satisfy, you have to keep running to those idols. You have to keep sacrificing, and you're never going to fulfill it. I think there's an, um, an example I have. It's a quote from Confessions of a Shopaholic. It says, so obviously a shopaholic, they just have to go buy things. They just have to. And here's a quote that I think summarizes idols. I just have to buy something, and everything in the world gets better. Until it doesn't, and I have to buy again. So in this world, when we try to satisfy idols, you have to keep giving and giving, but you never get enough. But with God, he will always satisfy you, and he does not fail you, and he does not curse you. He forgives you. Amen. You know, Jesus is the God that you don't primarily sacrifice for, but that he sacrificed himself for you. And I think, you know, I mean, I can spoiler alert that Daniel does not bow. I'll get to the end of the story, but just to let you know, not to leave you hanging, he does not bow and neither does his friends. But you know, I, I don't wanna be okay with what's normal if it's against God and against the word of God. I don't wanna be okay with idols. Like Solomon, he had a ton of wives in which it talks about in 1 Kings 11, um, verse four specifically, that he had so many um, wives who had pagan idols, and he just became okay with them. He let them have their idols built up, and then he started sacrificing to them. I think it mentions it later, but yeah, it says that his wives turned away his heart. Remember the heart, the idols of the heart, after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. And as we continue in that story, in that chapter, it says that he just sacrifices to those gods. 
So I think that at the beginning, Solomon was just, you know, it's okay, they can have an idol, that's fine. But then eventually, as soon as you're okay with something, it eventually will get you. And what gets me is that God gave Solomon wisdom. So we can't be wise enough over idols to be okay with that. We have to... We have to get rid of them. We have to get rid of idols. We have to say no. We can't, we're not smarter. Sometimes I go, oh, I'm smarter than this test, but like I don't do good <laughs> or something. But you know, we always think we're smarter than a problem, but you can't be smarter than those distractions. They will get to you. John 15, 18 reminds us that we are not a bee of this world. So we shouldn't love the things of this world especially like things that can be or an idol. You know, we could have clothes or something that's just of this world that can be more important. But I also don't wanna be comfortable on this earth. And because I wanna know what's, I don't want to not know that there's a right and a wrong of what the word of God says. So I don't wanna just be okay when it's wrong when I should have said no. You know, it's, it's kind of like a stray cat. It's gonna, like we have a stray cat that comes in our backyard. We don't feed it, but it keeps coming back. Actually, it's, it's eating the, the birds that come in our, we have like a little bird feeder and unfortunately it's been eating the birds. <laughs> so we had to like move the bird feeder. <laughs> anyway, it's like a stray cat. You know, if you feed it, you're not saying I own you, but you're kind of being okay with it. You're letting it live. And you know, what's, you know what it's gonna do? It's gonna come right back. It's gonna live in your life. <laughs> Don't feed the stray cats unless you want one, then go for it. But <laughs> I'm not against cats or anything, but yeah. It does take an effort to say no to things, but I can tell you, that during this time, I've tried to like remove distractions. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I, I, kind of, I kind of need this, so I'm gonna filter out the things I don't need in it. And it, it took more time to filter out than it did to get rid of. So sometimes you have to get rid of something. You can't just have it sometimes. I don't know, it depends. We all have different distractions in our lives and God impacts us, convicts us differently. Yeah. Some things you love more than someone else does. Like, yeah, you just, it is very personal. And I, you know, we, we have to know that it's a different relationship with God. Everybody has their own. But we stick to the word of God, of course. And I think that we can't just have the same convictions as we did before this, though. Because we have to do more in this quarantine to stay focused. So we don't want to be normal in this society. We have to be more than a normal Christian. The ones that don't, they just say they're Christian. We have to be determined, purposed in our heart to live for God, to be able to be that Christian. Daniel stood up against the status quo and he believed in God. And this is what happened. This is what happened. He were in the, the king goes, okay, you guys did not bow down, so you guys are going to be thrown into the furnace. Well, that king, Nebuchadnezzar, was just so angry at them, he turned it up three times higher, and 
Daniel and his friends, he threw them in there. And the men that carried Daniel and his friends in there, it was so hot that it killed the soldiers. But the people, the Daniel and his friends that were in the fire, they were probably in the dead center of that fire. And they didn't even have anything wrong with them. They did not burn up. In fact, they go, how many people did we put in there? And they're like, there's another one. I'm like, why? They said it was like the, the assembly, um, it looked like the son of man or the son of God, but it could have been an angel. I, I forget, it could be. But the thing is that God is going to be with you when you face temptations, when you face being against the normal of this world. God, so that's what I wanted to title this. You're not alone in the fire is because there's a lot of things that's going to try to tell us to be like this world. It's going to try to tell you to be like, and we're going to have to say, no, we're going to be against the world and they're not going to like that. We're going to be put into a fire of that, of their, their anger, but God is going to be with you. And you're going to come out of the fire with no, not even a smell of a campfire. <laughs> and they didn't have anything wrong with them. Amen. They came out even better. Maybe. <laughs> but, you know, idols are something we have to reflect on in our heart. And we want to make sure that, because idols are images, usually. I mean... It could be something you see, something you believe, but you know, images we look at all the time. I mean, like on the phone, we look at images, we look at pictures and all these things. Something you are always looking at. An image that distracts you from becoming more like Christ's image is an idol. We wanna be careful of, we wanna make sure we wanna be like Christ's image and not like anything else. And I think that the devil wants us to think we're alone when we are facing the things that are going against the normal. They want us, he wants us to think we're alone. But God is fighting our battles and we can worship him in any situation. And I want to talk about when Jesus, Jesus, he was baptized by John and he came out of the water and said the spirit felt like he was filled with the spirit. And then he went out for 40 days, he fasted. And I've never fasted for 40 days, but I would be tired. <laughs> I would be so tired and so hungry. And then the devil is like, hey, are you hungry? And he talks about bread and he talks about all these things. He's like, he's trying to tempt him. And I know that when I've fasted food, I like go to work at CBC and then they're like, it's free donut day. I'm like, every time. <laughs> like, I don't get it. <laughs> but it just seems like distractions or temptations come along when you are seeking after God more. There, there's a reason we fast and that is to separate ourselves from, to make sure our focus is right, to make sure God is at the center. And we want to just worship him and giving that time separated for him. And, you know, if, so after he was tempted, he combated all the temptations with the word of God. He, we need to have the word of God 
in our lives. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but yes, we definitely need that when we have things that come up. It also says that Jesus, when he left this earth, when he transcended, he said that I would leave a comforter so yes. that you would be comforted. Yes. So I think that we always can find that strength in the Holy Ghost living inside of us. He's always going to give us that. We also have the Holy Ghost power that comes over us to help us. Right? We have to, there are, we have that power living in us. Greater is he that is in you that he, than he that is in the world. So 1 Corinthians 10, 13 through 14 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from adultery, idolatry. So there is a way out when you face idols. God will help you get out of that. And I know that we, so this is just something with Corona, but we're, we can't, we're not, like I'm wearing a sticker, I can fist bump you if you want, but I don't want to be so out of, like I know we can be kind of on the phone, we can be in touch with people, but I don't want to be so much on my phone that I'm out of touch with God. I can't physically touch him, but I, I want to make sure I reach out to God daily and don't lose that relationship in this time with the distractions. I don't want to miss an opportunity. I don't want to miss having that relationship with God, especially during this time. Amen. To know he is with you, Amen. that he is for you and not against you. Amen. Sometimes we need to humble ourselves and pray for those idols to get out of our lives. But we remember that who do we live for? Do we live for this world or do we live for God? And who are we going to sacrifice for? So that's why we, we don't want to sacrifice the truth, the word of God. But we're going to serve God. And we, you know, it says in Matthew 4.10, says, who do we serve? You know, we cannot serve two masters. Amen. So, I, I think that if I'll, let's see, I'll read Isaiah 40, 31 in the Amplified Version. It says, but those that wait on the Lord will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not grow tired. So sometimes we have to wait on God to find that strength during this time to know what is right and wrong. But God's going to give us the strength to get through this time. God fights our battles. So we can choose to worship him even if, right, even if we're in this time right now. My last verse is Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. It says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed, about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that 
do it easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, when you run a race, at the very end, you just, you just gun it. You do the best you can at the very end. Even if you were slow at the beginning, you want to get the best. You do the fastest at the end. And I can tell you, we don't have as much time before the rapture as the beginning of quarantine. I can tell you, we have four months less than we did before. I did the math. That's what that was. Before judgment, people, um, we wanna make sure they know the loving, uh, saving grace of Jesus. We need to push faster and be that Christian. We need to stand for the gospel. Even, it says the world's going to hate us. It says that Jesus said, they're going to hate you because you follow me. And we just have to stand for the gospel, stand for the truth. God was with Daniel in the fire. And just like God will be with us when we don't bow down to the idols and distractions of this world and resist temptations. God will be with you. Amen. Um, I think I'll just, if we don't mind standing. Praise God. Thank you. I think we'll just pray.